this week I was wondering how social media, smartphones, how all of that has affected how we read news, because we just are consuming news so much. And so I just Googled, how much of a news story do people read today? And I found one story in particular. We're going to put it up on the screen here. Look at this, the, this article right here. We need to start reading past the headline, but not for the reasons you think. It's not that audiences are lazy, it's that journalists aren't helping teach news literacy. There's a study that came out of Columbia University here that analyzed the kind of stories that were being shared on social media, particularly Twitter. And what they found was a majority of people are not reading past the headline. They see a provocative headline and boom, off it goes. They share it into social media, not knowing exactly what it all says. The headline is really important for journalists today. The more provocative, the more potential to be shared. And you know we have this tendency, right, to just read headlines. And who doesn't love a provocative headline? And that gets us to click, and clicks get me money and ads. There's a tendency to not read past the headline. And that's a tendency we take with us into some other things we might do. Today, there might be a tendency to stop at a particular point in the last section of this letter of the Philippians. There's a tendency or maybe a temptation to use this particular passage, like treat it like a headline. Where we read it, we hit this one famous verse, and we stop there. We write it in cursive, and we put it on our wall at home, and we leave it, and we say, that's good enough. I don't want to just sit with the headline. But you don't really know what I'm talking about. So let's read. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, we're picking up in the last half of chapter 4. This is where we come to our, the end of this series, Crossborn. We end uh, our journey through the letter of Philippians. And we start here in verse 10, where we left off. Paul writes this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that la at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. We'll stop there. You know why we stop there? Because that's the famous passage. How many of you have ever quoted, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? My. That's right. You raise your hand on that. Like, amen. That's one that we, that we have shared over and over. And if you have the Bible app, you can actually create an image with that and put it in beautiful cursive and give it all kinds of different font, and you can share it out onto Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. That's a great verse, and I don't know, maybe you, like me, you've shared that with somebody recently even, to help encourage them. Because in that verse is a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope that you can get through anything you're going through. And there's a lot of truth in that verse about what it means to live a cross-formed life. What does it mean to have the cross pressed into the center of your heart and mind? It means you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That's what that means. So there's a lot there. It's a great headline. And Paul really believed it. 
And I want to make sure that we don't just pass over the verse. I want to make sure we understand how deeply verse 13 was pressed into his heart and his mind. So you know when things are pressed deeply into Paul, often what he does is that will, when he writes other letters, it spills out into those other letters. So take a look here at Colossians 1. When he writes this letter to the Colossians, here's what he says at the end of chapter 1. He says, he, that's Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may be present, we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, look at this, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I am working really hard, and it's Christ and his energy working in me to get it done. That sounds a lot like Philippians 4.13. Then we'll go to this next passage. Let's go to the next passage, 2 Corinthians 12, the second half of 9 and verse 10. Paul writes, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's something. Sounds a lot like Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. That when I am at my lowest, Christ's literal strength comes in and, and, and pushes me up so that I can do all things. It is his power at work in me. When I'm weak, he is strong. Paul literally believed that this was something that we could experience in our bodies, in time and space. He believed it so much that he didn't just talk about it with himself. He actually praised this over other followers of Jesus. Check out this prayer. Ephesians chapter four, uh, 3, verse 16 and 17. He writes this. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. I pray that His storehouse of energy, all that glory, will be transferred into your inner spirit. That's what He prays over the Ephesians. He prays it again to the, over the Colossians. Check out this prayer. Colossians 1, 9-11. He prays this. We continually ask God to Fill you with the knowledge of His will, being strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. You need any patience? Need any endurance? Uh huh. Then Paul would pray for you that you would have all the strength of Christ infusing your body and your mind and your spirit. That's how much he believed that this is a reality you can know. So when Paul says. I have learned what it means to be content in great need or in great plenty because I have learned what it means to have Christ and all of His strength so that I can do all things through that strength. He actually had figured that all out. And for the last several weeks, so for the last seven weeks, we've said that what Paul is saying in summary is that when Jesus and His cross is pressed at your center, you get all the power that comes with the cross and resurrection. Now, I have said that many times in different ways, but I've only shown you that one way. I've shown it to you seven times. Why not an eighth? Why not an eighth? Why not? We've learned repetition is a good teacher, right? So when I think about how we might visualize Philippians 4.13... 
I think of it like Plato on some wood, flattened. And I think about the cross. And I think about Paul and his real-life experience of having the cross literally pressed into his inner parts. So that he, above anything else, would have Jesus, the crucifixion and the power of the resurrection, sitting at the center of who he was. So that, wherever he went, whatever situation he walked through, if he was hungry or he had a buffet in front of him, he would have the cross sitting right there at his center so that the strength and all the power that comes through the resurrection and that crucifixion would be funneled through his inner life. So no matter what he walked through, he would be strengthened through Christ. This this is how I visualize it right here. And for now, eight weeks, we visualized it this way. I hope you remember it for years to come. What is pressed into the center? This isn't just having your mind transformed. This cross is power, literal power, funneled through your inner being so that you can do anything through this cross, His power working in you. Now, that's a great headline. Like That's a great headline. You could have just taken a snap a snapshot of anything I just said and posted, and it would have sounded good, right? I've just set that up like a Hallmark card for you, right? That just felt good. It felt good saying it. But if we stop at verse 13, we treat it like a headline because I'm left with some questions. I'm wanting to know some things about how this actually works out in real life. Because everything I just said can sound good sitting in a pew, but then you go home tired, frustrated, and hungry at some point in the day, and I want to know what does this, this cross pressed into this Plato actually mean for your life? So I'm left with some questions if we just sit with the headline. Here's some questions. Let me just let's put them like this. Here are the questions I'm asking. How does Christ's strength actually work in real life? How did it work for Paul? Is it an inner experience? Is it a feeling? Or does Jesus give strength in ways that are practical and down to earth? That's what I want to know. How does this get down into your living room? How does this work out on your kitchen floor? How does this work out in your bedroom or at work? Or as you're walking in the grocery store, what does this look like in practical living? Well, that's where we go next. Because if we stop at the headline, we are left with questions. We keep reading. We get the meat of the story. And I think you'll find that Paul has a lot to say about those questions. But in a way, we may not expect. Here we go. We're going to pick up now where we left off. We'll pick up in verse 14 and read to the end of the chapter. He writes this. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except for you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. 
The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. You see, what happened with verse 13 is Paul took a practical turn, didn't he? Starts talking about money. Starts talking about receiving gifts. And that turn, that practical turn, has everything to do with how power comes through the cross in the inner life. So let's talk about what we see with the Philippians. So with the Philippians, we see they literally gave money. There was a literal transfer of financial gifts to Paul. And we know this about the Philippians. The Philippians, the city of Philippi, sits in Macedonia. So think up north in Greece. And when he leaves Macedonia, he goes south. He's eventually going to get down to Corinth. And when he leaves, he needs help. And so those Macedonian churches, particularly Philippi, send money south to meet Paul where he is. And Paul has compliments them for this, thanks them for this. And we know how generous these Philippians were. So when he writes his second letter to the Corinthians, he wants the Corinthians to give to an offering he's going to take to Jerusalem to help the Jewish Christians who are in desperate need. And as he writes to the Corinthians, he's going to tell them about another church that gave very generously. And he wants the Corinthians to give like those Christians. You know what Christians he's referring to? The ones that he compares the Corinthians to? The Philippians. Take a look. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want you to see how generous these Philippians are to Paul. He writes this. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Included in the Macedonian churches is the Philippian church. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. Just a few chapters later, I want you to see how much he continues to compliment the Philippian church. Chapter 11, first half of verse 9, he writes this. And when I was with you, that is, when I was with you, you Corinthians, and needed something, I wasn't a burden to anyone there in Corinth. But the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. So when I was in the city of Corinth and in need, I didn't ask the believers in Corinth. I got help from the Macedonian churches, and we know that is from the Philippians, those Philippian Christians. Now there's something here we we better not miss. It's sitting there right under the headline. I want you to see, go back, we're going to go back, to Philippians 4, and I want you to see two verses now come together so we can see the relationship between the strength of Christ and this practical, down-to-earth stuff about giving and generosity. Check it out. In chapter, in chapter 4, verse 13, here we are back in Philippians, Paul wrote, I can do all things, I can do all this through him, through him who gives me strength. And then in verse 18, he wrote this curious thing, I have received full payment have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. 
You see what happened there? I have everything I need in Christ. Strength comes through Christ to me. I have everything I need so I can get through plenty or I can get through starvation. All of it through Christ. And how does that work out on the ground? Thank you, Philippians, for all of your gifts. You can't say verse 13 in isolation. You have to have verse 18 where God is working through his people. So let's say it like this. Let's summarize those two verses, put together. This is the meat under the headline. God didn't just strengthen Paul in Christ through some isolated, mystical, otherworldly experience. God used other Christians to supply Paul's needs in order to strengthen him. What happened was there were other people with the cross stamped on their life, and from them flowed strength. Paul received strength, and when he looked at it, it looked one and the same. When he received the help that came by way of a people stamped with the cross, he looked at that help, those, that actual money coming to him to supply his needs, and he didn't just see a check or a wad of cash. He saw Christ. So that he could say in the same passage, Christ gives me strength. You have supplied everything I need. That's how God works. Uh, there's another place I find this that is one of my favorites. It's also in that, le- that second letter to the Corinthians. Check out what Paul does here. Probably even, probably even, uh, probably, I, I like this one probably even more than what we're seeing in Philippians. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7. Paul writes this, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. Do you relate to any of this? But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given us. So here Paul tells the story of how he was broken on the edge of despair. And God, who comforts the downcast, came to him. And right after that says he came through Titus. He didn't just come through Titus. He came through another set of believers who encouraged Titus. And Titus then encouraged Paul. You see a line of strength from Christ. But it includes real people who have been shaped by the grace of God. So if we had to summarize that, let's just boil it down now. Not into a headline, but maybe understanding exactly what we're seeing in the meat of this passage, it is this. People living cross-formed lives become channels of Christ's strength to other people. That's what's happening. So that when Paul receives Titus, receives money, and it's coming from cross-formed people, he looks at these gifts, he looks at these people, and he says it is Christ who strengthens. Now, that puts a pretty big responsibility on each of us, doesn't it? It says that what you do with your life as a cross-formed person matters to other people. You're not an island. And when we pray, oh God, would you give me strength to get through this today, know that you might just be praying for a particular person to enter your path that day. 
So when you pray, would you give me comfort, O God? And then the text message comes in from a friend just saying they were thinking about you. There was your answer. There was God's comfort. You see how easy those sometimes becomes to disconnect those two? We want verse 13. It is Christ who gives me strength. And we think some for some reason that we, like, we do that by sitting at home in a room, silent, hoping that God will somehow hook us up to an IV of grace and we'll just feel better all of a sudden. That's not how this works. We are interconnected into a body, a body of people that have been stamped with the cross. And when you're stamped with the cross, there's energy, and that energy is flowing between us. So that when you need God's help, it's going to come through, usually going to come through, a person who also has the cross impressed on their life. And you know, God also has funny ways of using people that aren't even Christians to bring you comfort as well. He has all kinds of ways of doing this. All right. So let's make some application. Like, let's bring that to the ground. So several weeks ago, when we started the series, I put onto the screen, we don't have it now, I didn't want to just, didn't want to shock you right now. We put a sign, uh, a political sign, Biden-Harris. And some of you started twitching, I saw it, I knew what was happening. And then I put a Trump, uh, a Trump-Pence sign up, and I saw some, some other people start twitching. I saw it, I saw it all happening. Uh, part of it was I just wanted to see what happened. It had nothing to do with the sermon. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what we were going. But what we said was, is that what we do is we put political signs in our yards and we press them on the backs of our vehicles so that we can tell people who we are. And we asked the question in that first sermon, what are we pressing into our lives? What's the thing that goes to the center of who we are? We asked this question. It's the first question I want to ask as we think about application. I want, to th- I want to ask this question right here. What sign is pressed into our lives right now? So when people look at us, what or who do they see? So before we go any further, we go any, any farther along this journey into what it means for Christ to strengthen us through people today in real life, we really need to ask the question, what is pressed into the center of your life? For some of us, for real, it is a political party stamped at the center. Now, we come to church, but at the, at the end of the day, what's the thing you're paying attention to most? Now, you got slack this week. We're all going to be paying attention to this year. But in normal day-to-day stuff, what's pressed here at the center? If it wasn't for COVID-19, some people would still have the NFL slapped right here at the center. Right? Yeah. It's not so fun when the crowds aren't in the stands. Not, you know, when it's not packed. But for some people, it's their career. For some people, it's not something ambitious. It's the struggle of taking care of an adult parent. A parent that's aging and struggling, that has become so burdensome that it is the thing you think about and worry about all the time. And that is not a critique, but it is a reality to know what's shaping the inside, what's sitting at your center. And so that's maybe something you need to give to Jesus. But it's going to have to get real practical. I understand that. The point is that before we go, we go to asking questions about this, the application in these verses, we need to start and end always with what's at the center. So we really need to think about that. Now, when we take that and we move it into the passage today, i got two things, two questions I'm asking. And I think we need to be asking. Here it is. First question is this. Am I helping the people... I can help. 
That means if the cross is at your center and God's strength is moving through you to help other people, then that means that you need to help the people you can help. Let me be very clear. You can't help people in Portland that will face a riot this week, potentially. You can't help them. You pray for them, but you can't go help them. Not unless you have some big stash of money and big heart for Portland. I'm not saying you don't. I just know most of you. You get my point. But there might be a neighbor that lives near you that needs your help. Or you're the closest neighbor you have, your spouse or your kids, they may need you. I'm saying that do what you can with the people in front of you. Don't think so much about someone right all the way across the world. Think about the people in front of you. You can send text messages. You can make a phone call. Help the people you can help. I want to be very clear. You can't help Joe Biden this week. You can't help Donald Trump. You can't help Republicans or Democrats. The only thing you can do is vote and watch TV. That's what you can do and pray. But there may be someone in your life that just needs a phone call to say you were thinking about them. And that will go a long way to strengthening them with the help and comfort of Christ. So do not underestimate how important your text message phone call, or a helping hand is in this world right where you find yourself. Do not underestimate how important you are and the help you give. Who would have thought that some money from some poor Christians in a Roman colony would have meant so much to Paul? I guarantee you they weren't sending a lot. But Paul says it was a fragrant offering and it strings of that money. All right. Second, second question I'm asking myself is this. Who has God used to strengthen me? Who has God used to strengthen me? you got to really think about that. You know, some of you have gone through some very difficult times this week, I'm sure. I know there have been medical issues. I know there have been death. I know there's been a lot of tough stuff. And I know in our virtual learning environments, it's tough all the time. But remember, God is bringing God is bringing help. You know, we're tutoring some students here at the church on Tuesday nights. It's just one hour, and sometimes it doesn't feel like we're making much of a difference. But we should never underestimate how much we are helping. And I know this week, I had a couple, a couple moments where I received great generosity. And I have carried it with me. I have thought about that generosity, and it has moved me and fueled me forward. It was extreme generosity. That was the strength of Christ. Okay. Now, if you would let me, Kara, we're going to go back a slide. I want to, at this point, make a quick detour into a commercial. So you know the Philippians gave financially. That was the way they were giving strength to the Philippians. Well, I want you to know that sets me up really well for what's coming in the next three weeks. Can we put that slide up? Go just back to... Our preview, Carol, the snapshots. Here's our next series, our three-week series coming up starting next week, Snapshots, Biblical Pictures of Generosity. Isn't it something that we are ending our Philippians series by paying attention to the generosity of the Philippians to set us up for the next three weeks? You are not going to want to miss this. You don't want to miss it. If you do, I don't, I don't have like a threat. I'm just, if it helps, great. If it doesn't, leave it, Okay. All right, let's go to now the next step. Let's bring this on the ground for a next step that we can do this week. Say thank you to someone who has helped you. 
Thank, thank you to someone who has helped you. Asterisks. Why would you do that? Because you know they were God's way of strengthening you. This isn't a generic moment where you just say thank you to a bunch of people who helped you. You say thank you knowing they gave you God's strength. That's something. You know what will happen when you actually say thank you to someone? And I don't mean this as metaphor. This is not figurative speech. I mean you literally thank somebody. So I have somebody in mind that I'm going to thank. Literally use the word thank you. When you do that, you are recognizing that you are tied in to something much larger than yourself. That your strength in a, as a cross-formed person is coming from other people who are cross-formed. And when you say thank you, you will be giving them energy just like they gave you. How does it feel when someone tells you thank you? It feels good. Why? Because we need it. We must be a grateful people and we are in need of being uh, appreciated as well. So as you say thank you, just know it's not only for your own training, in that moment you'll also be giving someone strength as well. So that's your journey this week. That's our next step. All right, let me pray. Father, we say thank you to you. We thank, say thank you to you for the people that you have put in our lives, cross-born people, that have given us strength so that we can become the kind of people that can do all things through that strength. Be it financial, be it a caring touch, a kiss, a gift, money, a visit from a loved one. Whatever and wherever it happens, we say thank you for sending us We ask that you would help us become possible people in the months and years that we We remember what Paul taught us, and we thank you for the grace of God. We pray all this.